This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, good morning and welcome to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio with Charlie Dobbin, aided and abetted by yours truly, Dean Holland. How are you this morning, Charlie? I'm very well, my dancing duet. (laughs) You got it. Every time that music comes on. Can't stop. <laughs> the little growing, the little growing, blossoming dance. That's how we start the show. Yeah. Uh, what is going on in your garden this week? Um, hmm, good question. Crabgrass, mostly. Ooh. <laughs> Got lots of crabgrass, which, of course, as we know, will die in the winter. But in the meantime, it's flowering or you know producing seeds like crazy. So pulling yeah. crabgrass is pretty high on my list to try and minimize next year's crop. The uh, We haven't had a lot of rain, so we're getting a little bit on the parched side here, but I don't want to complain because I know most of most of Ontario has had more than its share of rain. Oh, I think we must be in a pretty good balanced spot, actually, because uh, we continue to be green uh, and not need to water up in, you know, a couple hours north of Toronto. Uh, yeah. But it hasn't been overly wet, I don't think, up here. I think it's been a pretty good balance. And and I've been telling a lot of people what you have mentioned a couple of weeks ago, that the farmers are generally pretty happy. Yeah, generally. I mean, there are a lot of uh, fungal diseases in the gardens. I'm uh, hearing about powdery mildew and I'm hearing about different, you know, rusts and things that are going on. So um, anyway, no worries. We'll we'll get into it. I'm sure the callers will have lots to share. Why don't you yes, share the numbers? Yeah, for sure. Uh, if you live in Toronto, uh, this is the number you need to use, 416-360-0740. Or if you live anywhere else in the province of Ontario, outside Toronto, it's a toll-free number, one 740 Four seven forty, and let uh, Duncan and Ashy know uh, that you are a first-time caller, because then I will give you your garden wings. And uh, you know the mantra on the show is: call often, call early, and please, 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 one question per call, okay? And if you have another question, the etiquette is that you hang up the phone and you just call back, and we'd be happy to talk to you again, okay? Absolutely. And before we go to a break, because I know we mm-hmm. are too, I just want to let everybody know, first announcement of this autumn season, the Agent Court Garden Club will be meeting on Monday, September the 11th. They meet, the meeting, social meeting starts at 7 o'clock. The real meeting starts at 7.30 at the Knox United Education Centre, 2575 Midland Avenue at Shepherd in Toronto. Learn how to create designs using hostel leaves uh, with uh, Mary and Verkanen. So that sounds pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The other thing is, if you didn't already mark your calendars, get out your pencil right now. This starting this Monday, September the 5th, 
Episode one of season two of Healing Gardens launches on Vision TV at 9 p.m. Uh, it's going to be an amazing episode. You're going to want to catch it. Uh, it takes place at the Edward James Sculpture Garden in Mexico. It's absolutely surrealistic. You, you, it, you'll be transported to a whole other world. And, of course, for those of you who maybe aren't aware of it, of course, you are the host of that show. I and am. You have been yeah. for uh, a couple of – this is two seasons now. And I know, and I got to go to the rainforest in the mountains of Mexico to participate in this entire entire episode and all of them. So I'm very, wow. very fortunate. And if you don't actually have Vision TV on your cable package on your television, remember you can watch the episode via the web for a short period after it airs. So maybe a week or so, the episode is available by going to Healing Gardens. Um, I can actually uh, I'll announce the actual website. It's basically vision, yeah, visiontv.ca healing gardens. Okay, okay, okay. So with that, we're just going to take our first break, and we will be right back with much more on the garden show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show on this first weekend of September. Yeah, it's the 2nd of September. Here we are, Labor Day weekend. I know it's changed a bit. You notice that the days are yeah. getting shorter, nights are a tiny bit cooler. Yeah, but I, I have to, I this is nagging at me, I have to ask you about something mm. before we go to this first caller. Because in the, you had said that it was the, the first meeting of autumn, but of course autumn doesn't happen until the 21st of September. We are still, I've been, I've been reminding people this everywhere I go. I say, you know what? It is not autumn. It's it summer. is summer until the 21st of September. But and don't we tell the kids that. They're going back to school. They don't want to go back to school in the summer. No, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Okay. Here we go with our first caller. Here is uh, Jean, who's calling in from Barrie. Welcome to the Garden Show, Jean. Good morning, and thank you. Hi, Charlie. I saw an absolutely gorgeous plant yesterday, and my friend told me what it's called, and all I could think of was, I got to call Charlie. I want one of these. <laughs> she got it at Walmart, not that that matters, but I can't say it, so here it is. D-I-P-L-A-D-E-N-I-A. Okay, so you started with, oh, Joe, not Gert. Oh, Diplodenia, D-I-P. Got it. That's yeah, it. just the way it's spelled, Diplodenia. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. All they told me was full sun or part shade, and I honestly didn't listen to anything else because I thought, I got to call Charlie. What do I do with it now? I know it's not till next year. Right. It's a tropical plant, uh, very popular, similar to like Mandevilla, which is very popular in the spring as well. Blooming, vining, colorful sun-loving, very you know, attractive plant. It can be overwintered inside your home, assuming you've got a very bright, sunny patio window or some you know good bright spot for it to uh, overwinter. But not hard to look after. I mean, you would keep it in a pot because it is something that you're, if you do plant it in the ground, it will be hard to bring inside. It'll end up dying. Yes, a lady had it in a pot. Okay. Um, fertilize, please. 
Well, like any of our plants, whether indoors or outdoors, we fertilize when they're actively growing. So, of course, lots of active growth takes place in the spring and early summer. As we're getting into the dog days of summer that we're into now and, you know, late summer, you'll notice that you're not seeing a lot of new growth on your plants. New growth has really slowed down. Plants are, are basically in a holding pattern right now. And what's going on, of course, inside the plant is that all the sugars and carbohydrates that the plant makes with the sunshine from photosynthesis uh, all of that is being moved down in down through the plants down to the roots and the plants are getting ready to go to sleep for winter so we never ever fertilize when plants are not actively growing we just let them do their thing because they are in the process of shutting down great i am such a doubting thomas should it make it through the summer how do i cut it back to take it in Inside. Well, I mean, a couple of things you'll do before you take any plants in that have been outside, uh, you know, tropicals. You'll look at the drainage holes underneath because, of course, the pot will be a pot with holes. You'll make sure there's no roots growing out the bottom so you'll know that you don't need to repot the plant. And then it becomes uh, almost just a, a care thing. You know, these plants can get big and, and unwieldy. So cutting them back before bringing them in is a good idea. Moving them into the shade for a week or two before bringing them in is a good idea. And giving a good thorough wash, just a soap and water shower and rinse. And into the house you go, into your brightest possible location. And remember, you're going to water a lot less indoors like when you first go in than you have been all summer outside. How much do I cut it back, please? As much as a third. Third, Okay. Thank you. You made my day. Take care. Bye. <laughs> You're very welcome. Thanks for the call, Gene. Um, just before we go to break, Charlie, mm-hmm. it and it, I I like you know sometimes paralleling things. You you said often uh, that you don't fertilize when the plants are getting ready to rest for the winter, and I suppose it would be like. You know, if you're getting ready to go to bed, most people would not pour three cups of coffee down them, right? Because you don't want to stimulate the system before you're trying to rest. You're trying to sleep for the night, right? That's right. And so for your physiology to work, you know, for all that what's going on inside you to work so that you're fresh and ready to go the next day, then you've got to work with the chemistry, work with the biology. And and plants are similar. They just do a longer sleep than we do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Okay, doke. Okay, so we have to uh, take just a, a quick pause here. We'll listen to some important and appreciated messages, and we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. You're creating the ideal garden. Now let the birds beat a path to your backyard with help from Urban Nature Store. Bird feeders, bird baths, binoculars, and wind chimes. If you love feeding and watching wild birds, Urban Nature Store has everything you need and more. Let yours be the backyard that birds flock to. With help from Urban Nature Store, your local birding and nature experts. Visit Urban Nature Store, eight convenient locations, including the newest store in Markham, or online at urbannaturestore.ca. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, yes, yes. We are back here on The Garden Show. I'm going to give those numbers out again. We'd love for you to give us a call if you have any questions about your indoor garden or your outdoor garden. Or your healing garden, if that's what it is to you. There you go. Got that in. Uh, 416-360-0740 is the Toronto number. Or anywhere outside Toronto in the province of Ontario, it's free number. one 866 
740 for 740. And I would imagine for a lot of people, actually, Charlie, uh, the uh, garden does have that uh, healing uh, way about it because it's peaceful, right? It's peaceful. It's all sorts of things. Well, it can be. I mean, the garden has a lot of things to different things to a lot of different people. I mean, whether it's sustenance, like we're growing food or Mm -hmm. it's good exercise or it's fresh air and and peace or it's creativity um there's a lot a lot going on when you're in the garden psychologically emotionally physically yeah it's a it's a pretty magical place for most people and this has been proven both you know through science as well as anecdotal uh, stories yeah i'm hearing a lot just lately about the idea of being in nature being a very good thing for our health mm-hmm. um and maybe something that's been underplayed in the last handful of decades you know something that was just taken for granted before because we just were out 100 years ago more than we are now right exactly like yeah we were up with the sun and down with the sun back in the day and and you bring up a good point um what's it called um park parks p a r x So this is a prescription for getting out into nature that uh, many medical doctors have um, been trained in recognition that um, a little pill is often not sustainable in terms of truly helping us with our health and our happiness versus getting out into nature, which has very big, big benefits, much longer term than that little pill. Gotcha. I love it. I love it. Okay, let's go to our next caller. We have uh, we have Lewis on the line, calling from Waterloo. Welcome to the Garden Show, Lewis. Good morning. Thank you. Sorry. Good morning. First Good morning. time caller. Welcome oh, first, oh, there, to the show. There we go. <laughs> Got it. Wake you up. Thank you. <laughs> What's going on? Um, I want to ask about our tomatoes. Um, I just got oh. the tail end of the conversation about blights and fungus our tomatoes their skin is all going it kind of looks blistered um kind of like burnt skin and it has kind of different colored yellow spots in those areas it's even on the green tomatoes in the garden we have a community garden and a garden at our in our backyard and it's on both in both gardens we've had to throw out an incredible amount of tomatoes Oh, because um, yes, this year because well, it's often environmentally based when we get fungal diseases on our plants. Um, certain environmental conditions uh, provide the right conditions for a fungus to thrive. Unfortunately, tomatoes are susceptible, and not all tomatoes. Some varieties are more susceptible than others. But there are three: there's early, mid, and late blight. Uh, all of which will slow down the growth of the plant. The problem with late blight, and it's a bit hard to identify the difference between all of these except the timing, is that late blight, you will really lose the crop quite quickly. The plants will die. Um, What I would suggest, well, two things. Um, Yeah, there's nothing really you can do about those little spots. It is a fungal disease. So you've got some, some options for the future. And one of those options would be, remember, rotate your crops. Do not grow tomatoes in the same spot every year, whether it's the community garden or the home garden. Make sure the tomatoes are getting moved around into full sunny locations, um, at minimum every two, preferably three years. Uh, And then there are fungicides. They're sulfur-based 
uh, copper sulfate. One is called Bordeaux. Uh, they're in your garden centers. They can be used preventatively, meaning you start spraying those as per package directions based on the weather in your in, in onto your crops, even your edible crops, uh, um, as per instructions, like I'm saying, like susceptible plants. So tomatoes are susceptible. Some most of the heritage tomatoes I find are the most susceptible. We should okay. get um, we should get uh, what's her name Biggs, the Biggs Emma Emma Biggs. She's a cra- crazy crazy teenager who grows hundreds of tomatoes in North York. I just I wonder what she does to control because she's got so many varieties. She might be out there spraying in advance of all the humidity. Um, but at this point, there's not a lot you can do when once the blight is on the plants. It's it's on the plants. Okay. Um, are they okay to eat when they're peeled? Yeah. Yeah, as long as they taste good, don't they won't yeah. hurt. They won't hurt you. Okay, that's what we wanted oh, to know. I've been frying a lot of tomatoes lately. I've got so yes, many. Yes. Okay, that's what we wanted to know because um, if they were still okay to use. Oh, perfect. Yeah. That is it. Thank you very good much. Okay. Yeah, thanks Thank so you. much for your call. Thanks for being a first-time caller. Don't be a stranger, eh? Hmm. Okay, and and you know what? Ironically, I have a half bushel of uh, like a Roma tomato. In my in my sink upstairs, um, and at home, yeah, yeah, and it's. Uh, what are you gonna, gonna do with them? I'm gonna make sauce. Nice. So, gonna make sauce, yeah, nice. for sure. Um, okay, uh, and maybe that's what uh, uh, maybe that's what uh, our last caller was gonna do with them as well. Maybe maybe sauce. Okay, but you know what? I'm just remembering. Okay, so if you go to my website, so charliedobbin.com, yep. and then you go to the top, there's a tips. Area and of course that's where there's that great recipe from Warner the tomato yeah you know, grow the best tomatoes yeah but, oh no it's not here I thought it was here okay you know what there's a great recipe for green anybody who's got a lot of green tomatoes I'm gonna dig it up there's a great recipe for green tomatoes strawberry jello if you can Ooh. imagine um, a pot on the stove yeah. and um, cooking it all up so you make what appears to be strawberry jam but huh. you're making it with strawberry jello and green tomatoes really i've never Super heard of that yeah 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 it's a wow. crazy recipe but it's guaranteed to work and people swear by it it's like for sure it's really strawberry j- okay. jam but it's not <laughs> yeah, yeah oh that sounds really interesting Okay, uh, let's go to uh, let's go to Don. Don is calling from uh, somewhere just north of Alliston. Welcome to the Garden Show, Don. Hello. Hello. And what's going on in your garden, Don? <laughs> uh, it's not in the garden. It's in the lawn. I'm. Oh. Uh, I got moles in the lawn. And oh, moles like running around. N- no, they're under the ground. They push yeah, up. Yeah, moles. They push up the earth all over the place, and the problem is I've got free-range chickens, and so uh, I don't want to put any poison down or anything. Because right. I wish you could see Charlie's face right now. Charlie was <laughs> gritting her teeth. He was like, oh. That, well, it's a hard one. Moles are hard. Uh, okay, so there's some really crazy different recipes I've seen over the years, because you're right. You don't want to put any poison down. Are you seeing... Um, uh, Dawn, the the tunnels. Do you see access points into the tunnels, little holes, about like at ground level? I I see um, where they piled the earth up. That might 
be where they've, uh, I don't know if they're access holes or not. But. Yeah, likely. Yeah, because they're, they've um, emerged up to ground level, and that's why you're seeing the soil. Okay. So, okay. Okay, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to give you what's in my brain right now, but I'm sure there's a lot more out there. Um, obviously, a, a dog sometimes is used to try and control these things. Moles, though, are under the ground. They will eat insects in the soil, which are the same insects your chickens are trying to get. But there was something, and I'm sh- so there's castor oil, and the other is juicy fruit gum. So I have to look them up. As I recall, so juicy <laughs> fruit gum, okay? It's got to be not the little chiclety type, but the sticks of juicy fruit gum. So you oh. buy that at the store. You bring it home, you chew it just a bit, all right? You don't really chew it for an hour. You just chew it enough to to soften it up. And then you drop these blobs of juicy fruit gum down into the holes. The moles think this is amazing because it's sweetening. They're going, oh, I love it. So then they eat it and then they actually die because they can't pass that fruit through their little, that gum through their little tiny bodies. So it is a way to to uh, annihilate them, as I recall. But like I said, let me check into this. Uh, so, uh, but, and wow. something about castor oil too. <laughs> so somebody who's listening is going to have some good ideas. So anybody with good tips and tricks on mole control, uh, please call in and, and share or email c.dobbin at mzmedia.com Love it. Okay. <laughs> good, good luck with that, Don. Thank and, you uh, very I, much. I found, oh, no problem. Sorry about your problems there. I found myself wondering, Charlie, if uh, if Don has ever seen Caddyshack. So, because oh. <laughs> Caddyshack, of course, he had groundhog problems on the golf course, and he was trying to blow. He was putting sticks of dynamite down there. <laughs> I remember reading in the Farmer's Almanac, actually, one of the best, actually, of all the different traps and all the different ways to control yep. moles, one of the best ways, because you can see them or feel them or whatever, like when they're moving under the ground, because they're very shallow, they're little yeah, okay. sharp shovel, and it was the old sharp shovel into the ground, like into the slice, ground. Just, cut the heads off. I know it sounds horrible, but wow. they can be a real problem. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I know. I, I, frustrating, because as you say, it's complicated. The whole thing is complicated. I, I have to say that in all the time that I've been doing the show, that is the favorite piece of advice that you've ever given, is <laughs> partially chewing juicy fruit gum and dropping it in molds. Well, the problem is, I is love it. people have these issues. I have to come up with these really like horrible solutions. I, with you know death and destruction everywhere and it's i mean it's hard to talk about death and destruction without sounding like i'm a horrible person but yeah. you know it's one of those cost benefit analysis you got to well, got to do it in, <laughs> in the last 10 minutes we've talked about creating jam with with green tomatoes and strawberry jello and now we've gone on to juicy fruit gun to kill moles it's the garden show. It's the garden show. <laughs> and the numbers to call before we go to this call, 416-360-0740 or one 740 Let's go to Scarborough. We have Gloria on the line. And uh, how are you this morning, Gloria? Oh, good morning. That was so funny listening to that, that story. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, I have a problem with my clematis. I've had it now. It's two years old. It's beautiful. It's planted on the north side on a fence, and uh, it gets it gets sunlight because I had a beautiful showing in July, um, uh, and uh, it was just gorgeous. Huge, huge uh, flowers. What has happened now? They're finished. The flowers are finished, but the top of the green leaves is black, and the bottom portion 
is green. So um, I started to snip off the black, and then I, I thought I better call uh, Charlie and and find out what's going on here. Okay. Well, actually, it's pretty normal what you're what you're experiencing. What color were the flowers when it was flowering? Uh, they were beautiful, um, in between uh, purple and um, a rosy color. It was a, it was a gorgeous color. I just can't describe it too well. No, that's fine. So what, there's many sort of varieties of clematis, and what you have is a version that's called a summer flowering clematis. So it means it blooms like crazy midsummer, and then it, when it basically finishes flowering, it's a green vine that is slowly again going, you know, getting ready for winter, uh, shutting down, and you will need to cut it back to four inches tall, either this fall or next spring. So you're going to cut it right down low. Uh, I wouldn't do it right yet, but it's sometime in the next uh, few weeks or next spring. For now, though, what, you've, what you're doing is right. Remove any that is clearly diseased material and do this with any of your garden plants right now if you have the time. Diseased plant material, fungal diseases, particularly the, the um, foliage, that's all gnarly and black and, and different colors should not be left on the surface of the soil because that mm-hmm. the, that diseased material will send out more spores and more disease. So the best, the, the, the mantra right now is good garden hygiene, keeping our gardens as clean and clear, not to say remove every leaf, but diseased material does need to be removed. So that's yeah. what I would do for now. The, the little, where the flowers were, they are curly now. The it's, it's you know the the the, the uh, green yes. part, where the flower yeah. was. Once they finished, it goes. Uh, it's it's a strange. It looks like a flower itself, and it looks like it's curled. Oh, that's the seed head. That's a little fuzzball. Yeah, yeah, that's normal. Oh, that's so, a, that's the seed head. It won't. Those seed, seeds won't necessarily grow from that. It's oh. considered ornamental. <laughs> or oh, it is pretty. Well, okay then, and um, when should I cut it back to four inches? I'm going to do it this fall. Okay, so I would probably wait for another couple of weeks, mid-September, and just do it on a dry day. When you're doing the cutting down, remember what you're cutting away is composted, and be careful with the... um, material below that the the little stems that are sticking up out of the ground you want to do minimal damage to them because there is another disease that's a soil borne disease called mm-hmm. a clematis wilt and so you could have some of that going on and it enters through wounds so the the more careful we are with those lower stems the better uh but just keep the you know when you're cleaning up around the clematis just be gentle to to not do any damage to the stems you've left behind so it's it's okay to do it uh, mid-september or or yep. should i do it in the spring either one you're going to need to do it one time or the other okay well while you while it's in my memory i'll do it now <laughs> Thank you so much, Charlie. That was wonderful. Great. Yeah. Thanks for the call there, Gloria. Thank you, Dean. Bye bye. Oh, bye bye. (laughs) Uh, Well, it sounds Gloria has had much more success with her clematis than I did. I'm still in the patient stage. Well, she said this has only been two years. Yours has been there for what? One year? Or two? Yeah, one year. So I just oh. I'm being patient. I'm hopeful for next year. Um, I'm letting it get established. Yep. But it's growing, and Good. so it That's grew. Anything. You know, and so just yeah. remember, you're going to cut it down next spring. Right in the spring. Yep. Okay. Don't forget. Yeah. 
Okay, let's go. You know what? We're going to go to our we're going to go to our break now. Okay. Uh, we have more callers on the line, but we will be right back with much more on the Garden Show. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Yes, we are back here on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And, Charlie, we are going to go right to this next call, which is uh, coming in from Mississauga. We have John on the line. Uh, welcome to The Garden Show, John. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Dean. Um, Good morning. Charlie, actually, I have two questions, but I, do, I only use one. Uh, first of all, that's what I'm doing. I'm doing uh, tomato sauce with my one pound and 14 ounces tomatoes. Nice. <laughs> I use right, Dean. Anyway, I got it. Anyway, um, no, uh, my Charlie, my cousin gave me uh, two hydrangeas, and I have uh, actually I'm looking at now. I have quite a few lilies, uh, day lilies that now they're taking over. <laughs> when can I transplant the uh, hydrangea instead of the uh, day lilies? Okay, so are they are they in the ground right now or in pots? Yeah, no, no. The, uh, the hydrangeas is in the pot, yeah. but the day lilies are in the ground. Right, and you want so sorry. So you want to take out the daylilies and put in, move. So sorry, what, which was what, which one did you want to plant? Uh, the, the hydrangeas. Right. I replaced the oh. daylilies with the hydrangeas. Oh, okay, I would get the hydrangeas into the ground. Any like today is perfect. Just uh, get you know get out your hose and when you take the hydrangeas. Um, so sorry, hydrangeas were in the pot. Yeah, just make sure they're not all root bound. And daylilies are quite, as you know, vigorous plants. So it's nice to put the hydrangeas in to kind of counteract some of the the leaves that aren't very pretty on daylilies as the season continues. No, they're not. I'm looking at them right now, Charlie. Yeah, no, it's true. Yeah, I did the same thing. I, I'm, I just spontaneously stuck a few daylilies in my garden, and now I'm like, no, they're going somewhere else. I've been digging them up and separating them into multi daylilies and yeah. moving them more around the perimeter of the garden. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, with the barbs, uh, I would call it obviously. I leave them for next spring. Yes. Yeah, but I can do it now. I can do it this week. Of course. Yes, I would. Okay. It's perfect. After, after right. you've made your tomato sauce. I don't want to tell you the next question, right? No. <laughs> I'm not allowed. You'll, you'll have to call again. But no, this is a really, really, really good time to plant or transplant or divide plants in the garden because the soil is nice and warm and the nights are cool. Mind you, it's going to be very hot later this week, so you might want to wait till this little heat wave passes. Uh, we're talking high 30s. Uh, Humidex readings in the southern Ontario in the next four or five days. So maybe just wait till that passes before you do any serious dividing and digging and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's a really, really good time to plant and transplant with the cooler nights 
warm soil, and reasonable daytime temperatures. Nice. And of course, we're getting those high 34s because it's still summertime. And it's not <laughs> going to be autumn. You're holding the 21st on to that summer. September. <laughs> I'm holding on to summer as long as I can. Absolutely. Right, but um, quick little mole update for, yep. for just anybody who's wondering about Dawn's problem. Okay, so apparently, I was right. Apparently, you know, grape, grape Peru also works. Is that right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but castor oil, I don't know how exactly you apply the castor oil because if you start dribbling castor oil onto the soil i don't quite understand how that works yeah. um so what, there's sonic alarm sonic devices you know mm. those high pitch yep. that we can't hear yep. those can be inserted below ground so that that or just below ground so that the um, moles hear and hate and and uh move to the neighbors <clears throat> traps are a big thing but they're they're killer traps usually it's not like it's not like um, gentle catch and release traps. These are no. usually mole killing traps. Um, and then, of course, like we're saying, you know, that the, some of these um, moles have amazing smelling abilities. So, <laughs> coffee grounds, cayenne pepper. Mm. Uh, apparently, they hate the smell of tar. So, anything that smells really bad can be quite effective for deterring and that's the best you're going to do is deter the moles and drive them to the neighbors gotcha <laughs> how charming <laughs> <laughs> send them elsewhere send them back in okay let's go to our next caller we have janice on the line she is calling from saint thomas welcome to the garden show janice thank you um, i enjoy your show I have a question about ever-bearing strawberries. I planted them about seven years ago. They didn't, uh, well, we had a, a bed of them for a couple of years, and then they kind of just went, and I dug them up, I thought. This year, I had uh, them come back. They have a yellow flower on them and a round berry. The berry tastes terrible. And I, they've just taken off. They're growing like crazy. And I don't know whether, uh, like, fertilizing them or whether I should just tear them out and start fresh. Um, it seems a shame after all these years to have them come back, and but yeah. you can't eat them. But are you sure it's the same strawberries coming back? Could it have been something that, you know, seeds get dropped by birds all yeah. the time? Could it be more likely that? Well, it might have been, but it looks so much like a, a strawberry. And even my neighbors, they, they said, oh, look, you've got strawberries coming and this kind of thing. And uh, we did have a climbing hydrangea on a, on a trellis, and we had to take it out. And they were dormant. There was nothing there until we took that out. And now right. this has come. So, but I mean, it's just covering the bed like, like crazy. So I think probably taking it out and maybe planting some new berries sure. would be my yes. option. Eh? I think so. Yes, I, I would not hold on to it. If you want to try and take a photograph and send me a good, clear photograph of what's growing there before you dig it out and email me that, I'm happy to take a look. But otherwise, uh, yeah, my impulse would be to say, get rid of, you know, dig and compost. And yeah. you probably won't be able to find strawberry plants for sale at this time of year, but you no. will in the spring for sure. Sure, yes. Okay, okay. and your um, website? Uh, the, uh, Charlie's email is c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. Just a minute. Okay. 
Yeah, and we all, you know what? Uh, after we hang up, I'll give it again by the end of the program. Is that fair? And then you'll have your pen ready. Is that cool? Yes. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Janice. Yeah, thank okay, you. Okay. Bye bye. Yeah. Bye bye. I was. Uh, I couldn't help but think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that Janice could take those not-so-good-tasting uh, strawberries. She could mix them with green tomatoes and strawberry <laughs> jello, and she'd be on her way. <laughs> there you go. Oh, well. <laughs> all, but that does sound odd, doesn't it? I guess, you know, like that they would be so poor-tasting, yeah, even though well, they apparently I, look like a strawberry. Exactly. I'm not convinced that they're strawberries. Yeah. Well, again, uh, you can if you have a uh, question like that during the week uh, where you think that a, a photo will be more helpful, you can always use Charlie's email and I will give it out at the end of the program. But right now, let's go to our next break and uh, we will be right back with much more on The Garden Show. This is Zuma Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. We are back here on the Garden Show, and you know we have um, we have a little bit more time to squeeze in a call. So I, we have one on the line. I'm going to go to, but I'm going to get the numbers out. If you got something on your brain, uh, pick up that phone and give us a call right now. Uh, the Toronto number four one six three six zero zero seven forty or one eight six six. 740 740. Okie dokie. We are going to go now. We're going to go out of the province. We have a call here from the state of Illinois. We have Richard on the line. Welcome to the Garden Show, Richard. Thank you, Dean. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning. Good morning. Whereabouts in Illinois are you? Uh, in the very northern part in the center, uh, just below Wisconsin. Hmm. Beautiful, beautiful. So what, do you, got for, what do you got for Charlie there, Richard? Well, I have an invasive variety of it looks like morning glory it has almost like rhizomes at the bottom uh they're not quite as thick as a pencil and they they they're they're all over the place i've tried to spray them with weed be gone and that uh stunted my tomatoes and and eggplants and i don't know what to do with it i've I'm, i they're all over my clematis is being invaded by you know there are two varieties one that has a white flower big like a normal white morning glory, and the other one is small, multi-flowered bunch. Wow. And is it white flowers as well? Yes. Small white flowers, and the only way I can tell the difference between clematis and that is the elongated clematis leaf, where this is a heart-shaped leaf. Right. Yes, because it is, as you said, it's like a morning glory. Smaller flowers than the ornamental morning glory that we grow, but all of those, they're all, um, yeah, there's a lot of connection between these vines. So the common name for what you've got growing is called bindweed. As you know, that's a perfect name because it binds, it climbs up everything, it strangles things, it grows right before your very eyes. It's very fast growing oh, uh, and problematic. It's terrible. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's often referred to as wild morning glory, but how to control it. Uh, okay, so I'm just looking because you have access to things like Weed Be Gone, which we do not have. The issue with Weed Be Gone, like you said, you don't want to be using that anywhere around your uh, edibles because anything that's going to kill the morning glory is going to potentially kill your uh, preferred plants as well. Um, it was even an overspray. I never even hit it. Right. Yeah, no, I know. A little bit of drift, for sure. Um, 
Yeah, and depending exactly sort of time of year. We always know that the best time, to, if we're going to use chemicals or even boiling water or vinegar solutions, anything that we're going to use that's non-selective to kill uh, invasive weeds are most effective earlier in the season when the leaves are young and the plants are actively growing and they're very soft and, and, um, and like I say, e much easier to kill. But again, non-selective. So whether it's, you know, Roundup or Weed Be Gone or horticultural vinegar, those sprays can, or they can hurt anything. Um, so that's why we gotta be very careful who, where we apply these things. So those kinds of things we usually use in driveways and, and walkways where we've got weeds coming up between paving stones or when your vegetable beds are empty. Is it possible that you could do a whole pro, you know, real control next spring before you plant your vegetables? Uh, well, you know, it's almost like they're dormant. Um, I, the, really, the, the root is the problem. They're all over underneath the ground, and it's got to be systemic, I guess. Well, those... The, the, the other one of the other really effective ways to eliminate plants like this, but again, it'll mean you'll probably have to take a year off from that garden, is uh, solarization. So the big tarpaulin um, over top of the soil with soil all around the edges or rocks holding that tarpaulin in place. The sun beats down onto the tarpaulin, heats up the soil below, and yeah. kills the plant material below. I know the little animals can get out, but the plants can't. My, my clematis will be gone then. Right, because your clematis is in the same garden. Well, can you move, no, they're two different. Can you move that? It's all over the place. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, so it's going to be, oh, I don't know what to say, no windy day, like seriously still day, very, very clear spring with something like Roundup, something that's non-selective to specifically kill those little heart-shaped leaves early in the spring on a dry day. That's probably your best bet. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for the call, Richard. Okay. Yeah. We're going to quickly go to, uh, we're going to jump over oh. a couple of great lakes. Okay. And we're going to go to Anne in Buffalo. Okay. Anne, I'm going to hope that you have a quick question for Charlie there. Yeah. Quick question. I'll be fast. Okay. I'm talking about my hydrangeas. Okay. I got four plants. Now, the stems come up and I get flowers. The flowers have been smaller in the past two years, maybe about four inches across. They used to be like eight inches across. <clears throat> but what happens, I get these stems that grow over the flowers, and they go up about four feet, all with leaves on them. So if you want to see the flowers, you've got to push these big stems aside. Now, what, what's going on? A confused, I'm afraid to say confused, Ranger. <laughs> Are you um, doing a real trim down in the spring on all the stems? No. Okay, so do that. Next spring, um, when the plants are starting to wake up and the little green buds are just starting to show, get out on a dry day with your pruners, cut all the plants down to the lowest common denominator. So find your little green buds and prune just above the green buds. And none of the stems should be taller than about four inches. So all the way across. And you should see better growth next year as a result. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, Ann. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for the call. That's interesting. We got our last two callers who are from, uh, from the U.S. Yeah, we yeah, got exactly. uh, one from the state of Illinois, one from New York. Gardeners all over the world tune in yeah. to the garden show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking, for, I'm looking forward to your healing gardens on Monday. 
Yeah, I have yep. to say, I'm really you. Uh, you have made that experience in Mexico sound so breathtaking. I'm telling you, this first episode, Edward James Sculpture Garden, it is out of this world. Uh, high in the mountains in Mexico in a rainforest where it was so humid, my glasses would fog up every time I was. Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. We're so good for your skin. I mean, it was like 100% humidity. It was beautiful, but wow. so humid, like dripping humid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. That's really, I'm well, I'm looking forward to it. Again, on Vision TV yep. is where we yeah. find it. 9 p.m.? 9 p.m. Monday. If you if you are a subscriber to Vision TV, of course, you can watch 9 p.m. Monday. If you're not, then after the show airs, go to visiontv.ca healing gardens and you should be able to follow a link to watch the show for a couple of days after it airs all right so thank you thank you everybody thanks i've just been a ton of fun there dean never a dull moment no thank you <laughs> had some great help from ashima <laughs> and duncan thank you and the great callers as always see you again next week this has been an exclusive podcast of the garden show with charlie dobbin heard every saturday morning at nine on zoomer radio the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.